Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Christ in the Classroom presented by Sophia Institute for Teachers. I'm your host, Jose Gonzalez. Uh, later, I will introduce and be joined by a former colleague of mine, James Bidding, who's a high school religion teacher at Bishop Carroll Catholic High School. Uh, tonight, we are going to focus on the topic, the teacher as witness. So if you've ever uh, attended one of my other sessions, both in this podcast, as well as anything we've done in person and anything I've done virtually, I quote this, um, this particular quote all the time. Uh, Modern man listens more willingly to witnesses than the teachers. And if he does listen to teachers, it is because they are witnesses. This quote is some is a quote I had to memorize in undergrad. I had to memorize it in graduate school, and it is just really um, a, a a very important uh, piece of of teaching that Pope Paul VI gives us um, in the document Evangelia Nunciandi. Uh, and the reason it is so important is because the context of what we're doing in religion class is we're we're not just teaching. A bunch of information. But our lives need to back up what we are preaching, right? Um, I can essentially, um, I don't know, for example, teach math, and maybe I don't love numbers, but I just know how to do math. I'm good at math. I do it, you know, whatever. Um, there's no conflict of interest there. If I don't love <laughs> you know, the Catholic faith, if I don't love what, um, what I'm, what I'm teaching, if I don't live fully and breathe what I'm teaching, there's a conflict there. And so I want to focus on that. How can we as teachers communicate our faith journey to our students? That's, that's really the, the, the central topic of tonight. And so I asked this question to you all is, do we talk about our own relationship with Jesus? How often do you, within the context of religion class, or really, honestly, any class in a Catholic school, because I think that's the beauty of Catholic school, is that the faith should intertwine everything that we teach. And so do we take opportunities to talk to our kids about what Jesus is doing in our lives, how he has moved in our hearts? This is, this is central to our life as a Catholic school teacher. We have to communicate to our students that Jesus is a real person, that I have a relationship with him, and that he has worked and is working in my life, right? So do we talk about our own relationship with Jesus? I want to also define another term tonight because I think a lot of the times the reason we um, we might be held back from talking about Jesus is because we feel like maybe we haven't experienced conversion in our own life or that we are in need of conversion, right? Um, sharing our faith is all about um, sharing moments of conversion in our life with our students, how, how the Lord acts, how the Lord heals us, right? So let me... Um, read um, this definition of conversion to you. Let me share this definition of conversion with you as stated by the Catechism of the Catholic Church. 
Conversion is a radical reorientation of the whole life away from sin and evil and toward God. This change of heart or conversion is a central element of Christ's preaching of the church's ministry of evangelization and of the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. That's a pretty intense definition. When I see this, I, I often talk about, and I'm going to share with you shortly, my own conversion story. But I can tell you without a doubt that even though I have a conversion story and I have moments of conversion in my life, a radical reorientation of the whole life. I don't know that I fully achieved that all the way. And so the church speaks of ongoing conversion. Our Protestant brothers and sisters obviously um, oftentimes speak of um, if you've ever if you've ever had a good friend who who's of the Protestant faith, we'll say, when did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What really what they're talking about is when was the, that conversion moment in your life? When did you experience conversion? I would say many of us probably have an initial moment, but that for the Catholic and really for all of us, conversion is um, is a daily process. Right, we we are continually experiencing conversion because just because I, I I finally choose to recognize Jesus as Lord of my life doesn't mean the next day I'm without sin, right? And so each step that we take, um, every time we acknowledge and repent and and take a step closer, we're experiencing conversion in that process. So I'd like to take a moment. Uh, and before I introduce James, because uh, to share his story, I would like to share uh, my story. I don't know that I've ever really done this too much um, in the context of my full conversion story, in the context of uh, Sophia Institute for Teachers. Uh, I have once or twice, um, but I used to do this every year with my classes. I used to share this story with them. So I was born and raised uh, Catholic, uh, cradle Catholic. Uh, however, the faith was very much a Sunday thing in my home. We never missed Sunday Mass ever. Uh, as I grew up, I said my prayers before bed every night. I was very committed to I would lie in bed and I would say my prayers. Uh, and then as I got into my teenage years, though, however, I I'd sort of developed this mentality in my early teens of as long as I go to church on Sunday and pray once a day, my moral decisions and my actions can be whatever I want them to be. So there's a total disconnect. It was a, uh, sure, I pray, sure, I go, go to Mass on Sunday, and that's what magically makes me a good person, right? That's what makes me a good person. Um, I can live my life however I want outside of that. Uh, and so my life was sort of a mess. I, um, I started falling in with a group of friends that was not making the best decisions um, my freshman and sophomore year of high school. Uh, I, um, I, I found myself, you know, uh, drinking underage and just making poor decisions. And then, uh, then suddenly, um, partway through my sophomore year, uh, my friend group kind of turned on me. Uh, and I found myself um, very alone. I found myself very depressed. I didn't know where to turn. I really didn't feel like I had a relationship with Jesus. Uh, I had, uh, in fact, um, 
I was so concerned with popularity that kind of to back up the story that ironically in eighth grade, as I started falling into this group of friends with high school, I had had um, another group that I was friends with that I completely turned my back on and ditched because I thought they were, they just weren't cool enough that they were, they were, they were nerdy. They were too nerdy. And so uh, by the time I became a sophomore in high school and my friends had turned their back on me, by the grace of God, I was uh, in a confirmation uh, small group and the way that when my confirmation prep, the way we did it, we went to somebody's house and it was a small group of us. Uh, and the, the, the man who led my confirmation class was a man named Russ, uh, who I still very much credit um, as part of my journey. Um, and Russ um, kept inviting me to come and join the youth group at church outside of confirmation. Um, and then in addition to him, this, uh, this other, one of these young men that I totally ditched in eighth grade happened to be in my confirmation class. And he reached out to me even after the way I had treated him in eighth grade. And he's like, you, you got to come. And so at that point I thought, what do I got to lose? I got no friends left at school. I'm making bad decisions. Let's give this a try. So I went to youth group and from there, I went on a retreat, on a weekend retreat um, called Curios, um, probably very similar to like Kairos or Tech, if you're familiar with any of those programs, very, very similar. Uh, and uh, I was transformed. Uh, I saw Jesus as a real person uh, for the first time. I experienced Eucharistic adoration for the first time. And I remember uh, just being um, just in awe. And I found a new community of friends, friends that accepted me um, wholeheartedly. And before I knew it, I was full-blown involved in church. I was in youth group. Uh, and uh, the Lord really transformed my life and put me on this trajectory where my faith became the most important thing to me. I can honestly tell you, I wouldn't be uh, where I am today without that retreat and without that community that really started my journey. There was a lot of other steps along the way, but that is the moment I, I recognized Christ in this community and in the sacraments and I embraced it. Now, since then, it's not like my life's been perfect. Um, since that point, there's been a lot of struggles, um, you know, uh, throughout my life. Uh, but I can say that gave me a lens through which how to approach things and how to, um, how to follow him daily, how to be his disciple. Um, many of those people that I met on that retreat, I'm still very good friends with. In fact, one of them actually uh, works for Sophia and so we're co-workers, which is, it's funny how the Lord works. And so uh, giving my life to Christ um, changed me uh, and, and profoundly had an impact in the way I view the world. Uh, and I'm so grateful for, for that moment. Uh, so that's, that's where I, that's how I got here. It was my youth group. Um, I was a public school kid. Uh, I didn't have Catholic education. Now, um, when I share this story, um, I, uh, I, I recognize that, you know, not everybody has these dramatic moments of conversion. I wouldn't even say mine was that dramatic. Um, when I was a when I was a, a sophomore in college, one of um, 
one of my professors had the entire class give their personal testimony. That was, it was a grade. We had to do it. I mean, I, she, she didn't really grade us on the content. She just graded us, us on us getting up there and doing it. And that was very powerful to listen. I mean, and, and people had conversion experiences like, Hey, I used to be addicted to crack cocaine and now I love Jesus, which is really intense. Right. But then I, there were other that were just simple. Hey, I was Catholic my whole life. And it just was about me owning it and, and it becoming, um, making it my own without any, without much drama. And so I think it's important to recognize, I think sometimes people refrain from sharing their stories because they're afraid, like they didn't have a powerful enough conversion. Um, no, the Lord works. And so, uh, th that's just one way. Um, and I'll have more to share in a moment. Uh, but I want to welcome and introduce, um, James Bidding, who is a, uh, religion teacher at Bishop Carroll, where I used to teach. Um, welcome James. How are you? Doing well, Jose. That was great. That was great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, James, I know that you um, you do this with your classes, uh, and uh, and I don't know if you were, you teach one of the electives I used to teach, Christian stewards, where where kids actually go out and work in the parishes, help with the parishes. And I don't know if do you yeah. do do you? I used to make mine. I used to teach them how to do a personal testimony and teach them. Yeah. to share it. Do you do that with the, with your kids in that class too? Or? I do. I do. That's, that's the one class that I require that. So, you know, I'll give my testimony to them. I'll give them some examples. I'll, I'll train them on, on how to do it. Um, I give them, uh, it's a mix of juniors and seniors. I give the seniors about a, a week to prepare uh, before they need to start getting up in front of the class and doing their, their 10 minute testimony. Uh, to what Jesus has done uh, for them in their lives. Um, and I was in, you know, we went to the same college. So I was, I, I took that class too. And that's where that got the ball rolling for me uh, on that because, you know, I, I had never experienced that before. And to be in a room of, you know, 50 students where each one of us got to get up and, and do that, that was so, so edifying. And so, I mean, that, that really bolstered my faith a lot. And actually just doing it gave me the courage to be willing to do it again after that, that first time. So great. I, I do it with my students and, and that, that one class I do have my students do it as well. Well, great. Well then we would love to hear your story um, and how the Lord has worked in your life. So I'll let you take it from here. I, 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 for those that are watching rather than listening on the podcast later, I have a picture of the Philly skyline because James is from Philly. Yeah. And so um Anytime I go to Philly or I've been to Philly for work, I always text him and his wife and say, hey, look, check out the Philly cheesesteak I'm eating um, yeah. just to kind of rub, rub it in a little bit. But uh, but um, so uh, this Philly boy is going to share share yeah. his story. So so now that I live in Kansas, yeah, I get those those texts with pictures of, of cheesesteaks. So. So that's rough, but you know, it's Lent. So we gotta, I gotta put up with it. So, um, so anyway, yeah, my wife and I are originally from, uh, from Philadelphia and, and I grew up there and I, um, I, uh, cradle Catholic. I was, I was baptized when I was a couple months old. And I remember being a little kid. I remember going to mass, uh, with my family, uh, like Jose said, kind of similar to that, like on Sundays, uh, we didn't really pray, uh, as a family other than that, like, I think my mom maybe taught me in the Our Father when I was little, you know, like before bed or something. Um, I went to uh, Catholic school for first, second, and third grade. Then I ended up in, in public school uh, after that. 
Uh, and some, I don't know what happened, but somewhere around like when I was about 10, 11 years old, my family stopped uh, going to mass. And I really, I can't get to the bottom of it today. I really, I really don't know what happened, but uh, they just stopped going. Um, and then, you know, something, something kind of tragic happens uh, to, to my mother. I don't want to go into details with that, but um, it really broke, it really kind of broke her and she was kind of the rock of our family. And, um, you know, she was just kind of uh, out of commission. She, be she became very sick. Um, and this is now, um, I'm about 13 years old. Uh, my dad's a, a workaholic, so he would work all night and all day. I mean, you know, A plus for uh, work ethic for my dad. I mean, that's, that's what he did. So I was a 13 year old kid uh, with uh, a mom that wasn't really able to, to do much uh, mom stuff. And my dad who wasn't around because he was working all the time. Uh, so you can imagine, I don't know if you have listeners from, from Philly, but you can imagine the trouble uh, that I got into, right? So I was pretty much 13, 14, 15, 16, kind of just running around, uh, running around the streets, running around with, uh, with knucklehead friends and, and getting into uh, lots of trouble. Uh, so I did that uh, for a number of years and uh, just kind of did whatever the heck I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. Um, and, you know, I started to see, you know, that the impact that that was having on people uh, that I cared about, you know, it was, uh, I was hurting people uh, in my life and, uh, and, and realizing that there was no way that I could reverse it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take it back. Um, you know, so, so all those things were going on and eventually I kind of, I was about 18 years old and I, and I hit a bottom uh, and I started to despair. I, I was working construction. I was building houses. And, uh, and I saw it like the guys that I was working with were in their 30s and 40s. Uh, and they were, they were all drinking a lot and doing drugs and cheating on their wife and, you know, doing stuff like that. And um, I saw that as my end. You know, I thought like that's, that's where I'm going. And it was, it was miserable, you know, and I, I just started to, uh, you know, despair. And I, I was really like, I don't want to, I don't think I was really like suicidal, but I was really despairing at, at that point of like, like life's going to suck for me. Like, like, I don't, I don't see how it could be good, but like deep down, I, I knew, I just, I just had this thing inside me where I thought like there was a, there has to be a way to be a good man. There's gotta be like, I had this desire to be a good man, but I didn't really know how to be one. I didn't really, like, again, my, I don't want to say anything bad about my dad. My dad is a, is a workaholic but he's not, he's not a practicing, you know, Catholic man. Like his, his, his faith life is not, not much of anything. So I didn't have any priests. I didn't have any youth ministers. I didn't have none of the guys that I was hanging out with were, were Christian in, in any way, except for the crucifix around their neck. Right. And, and that was usually had some, uh, you know, they, they were wearing that because, you know, they were Italian and that's what they felt like. They felt like, well, I'm Italian. So I have to have this crucifix around my neck or something like that. And I love, like, I love them and I love their culture and I, and, and I love that, but like, they didn't know anything about the guy that was hanging on the cross that was hanging from their neck. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have any of that. And, uh, and, and I hit a bottom and I, and I prayed for the first time. So I'm about 18 and I prayed for the first time since I was a little kid. And I was like, I just, you know, I just put my hands together. I looked up and I was like, Jesus, just, if there's a way to be a good man, um, please show me because I'm about to give up. Like, I, I don't, I don't know it. I don't see it. If there's a way, please show me. And that was, that was it. 
and even though like I had been essentially giving God the finger for my whole adolescence and just just completely ignoring him uh, and doing whatever I wanted to do, he responded to that prayer. And the way that the way that he did, he, he's still responding to that prayer, but the way that he did it was first was my aunt, who's my mom's sister, who's the really the only like serious practicing Catholic in my family. I hadn't talked to her for nine years and she sent me a Bible. Now she just called me up. She goes, Hey, can I send you a Bible? And I was like 18. I was like, okay. Like I don't, I had never opened the Bible in my life. I had never read anything in the Bible in my life. And I was like, yeah, whatever. So she sent me this Bible and uh, I opened it up. It was a Catholic Bible. Thank God. I opened it up to Sirach and listen, like, it was just like open, whatever I landed on. That's where I landed. I landed on Sirach. And many, many years later, theology degrees later, right, I found out that Sirach, it was in the early church, like the morality textbook of the early church. Like, in other words, teaching like the early Christians how to live a good life. So it couldn't have been a more perfect uh, response to my prayer. I mean, it really was. I started reading Sirach um, and, and, you know, when I, what I read was, you know, do this and don't do that. Um, and it was so, it was totally black and white into like an 18 year old guy's mind. That was so, so meaningful for me. It was, it was clear direction on how, how to live a good, a good life. And I started to implement that and I started to see like, oh, this is working. Like my, my, my stress level was coming down and started to see the truth in this. Um, I ended up going to confession after not going for many years. I, the, the priest who was uh, the confessor was a retired army chaplain and he kicked my butt in the confessional. Uh, and I, I like, I needed it. And I re I respond so well to that, to that approach. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He was just like, well, you got to stop this. You got to stop this. You got to stop hanging out with these people. And, you know, and it was just, it was exactly what I needed to hear from an authority figure. Uh, but then I was also receiving the grace of the sacrament. Right. So then, and then I started going back to mass uh, as well at that time. So really, I encountered Jesus Christ in my aunt, who was, um, you know, a member of his body, uh, you know, in a state of grace and, and everything. I encountered Jesus in sacred scripture, I encountered Jesus in the priest, in the sacrament of reconciliation. I encountered Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, and it was just, it was wonderful, you know, and that it changed my, it changed my life. And I, and I made the decision, okay, like, I'm all in, like, like, wherever you want me to go, I'm going to do you know, whatever you want me to do. Um, and then a few years later, when I was like 23, uh, I ended up at like one of the best Catholic uh, universities uh, in the country. I ended up at Franciscan University studying theology and catechetics. Um, and then I ended up becoming a high school religion teacher, right? So it's pretty funny, like the guys that I grew up with uh, who knew the, the knucklehead that I was when I was, you know, a teenager, and now they find out that I've been teaching, you know, high school religion in a Catholic school since 2004. Like, it's, it's a big shock to them. Um, like Jose said, lots of ups and downs. You know, this wasn't like a lightning strike and, and a halo, right? So it was uh, lots of ups and downs, lots of, you know, good decisions and bad decisions, you know, since then. But, you know, Jesus Christ continues to answer that prayer uh, that I didn't deserve for him to answer he has such great mercy on me by answering that prayer. And uh, now it's just such a, you know, I get to read scripture every day to, to teenagers. I get to help teenagers uh, encounter the person of Jesus Christ. 
uh, get to know him. Uh, and, and like, I didn't have that when I was a teenager, but uh, I'm, you know, he's able to use me to, to reach out to them. And I benefit so much from that. Like, like I read scripture, I read the catechism on a, you know, on a daily basis. Um, so there's so many blessings that he's given to me uh, and my family, uh, you know, since, you know, just, just having mercy on me and just bringing me back to him. Well, that's great, James. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, definitely uh, relate with the, with the teaching to, 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 when you look back and you go on your, on your life as, um, as I'm sure you do, I look back on my life and I go, how, how did I end up, you know, basically preaching the gospel for a living, you know, first with first, first as a religion teacher. And now with Sophia, you, you see the Lord's mercy and how the Lord can, can really take um, wherever we are uh, and make, um, make schmucks like you and I, uh, you know, um, use us in, 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 in his own way. Uh, and so, um, so just, just some other question for you, you know, you're, um, you're really still in the trenches, uh, with, with the students. And so, um, I'd love to kind of hear some other thoughts you have, like, how do you, how do your students respond, uh, when you share your faith with them, particularly to this testimony, what's the typical response of your students when, when, when you're sharing this, um, when I, when I, when I give my testimony, uh, you know, and I, I try to teach them, you know, the focus needs to be on Christ, not on you, you know, like when, right. and, and so I try to make that very clear, like I encounter, like Jesus responded to my prayer, I encountered him here and here and here, like you can hear a pin drop, dude, when I, when I tell this story, and like, and I tell it in different lengths, like there was a group last semester who came in on a remote Wednesday, like they didn't have to be there, and they were like, we want to hear your story, like the whole thing, and I went, I talked to them for over an hour, and they were here. Well, I bought them pizza. So maybe that's why they came. But uh, but they stayed and they were like totally attentive for that time. So I do hour long, 45 minute, 30 minute or like the five minute thing that I just did. And every time it's like a pin drop, like they want to know, like <laughs> they want to know what Jesus is doing right now. And that's one of the most powerful things that you get out of a testimony. Like Jesus is not this historical figure who lived 2000 years ago and like, you know, retired and ascended into heaven. He's kicking it up on his like reclining chair right now. Right. Like Jesus is alive and active right now, like in my, in my life. And so like, they're ready. They, they want to hear it. And the cool thing is the effect is after I tell my, my, you know, my conversion story, my testimony, uh, what Jesus has done for me, like the relationship between me and the kids is so much better. Like we, we almost like look at each other with a little bit more respect like that, like, you know, they're more willing to listen to me again, like, you know, like St. Yeah. Paul, the six says they're more willing to listen to me uh, because of it. Um, and it's not like, a, it's not like a teaching tool. Like I don't use it as like a teaching trick or anything like that. Um, I just do it because I, you know, as a catechist, I want them to encounter Jesus as clearly as possible, not just, you know, what he did 2000 years ago, but you know, what he's doing for me now too. Yeah. And, and, and to emphasize here, obviously uh, this is something you can do with your kids, no matter the age, as far as you, you got to adjust it, obviously, right. You're not going to go into certain details and it might not be as long with say you're teaching even first and second graders, but to, to be able to share that there was a point where you didn't, 
know Jesus as well as you should have, and that then you encountered him, that that I think that can be a powerful tool for for all age ages, right? You're going to modify it, obviously. You don't want to, you know, make second graders or share certain information with second graders, and just like there's certain information you don't need to share with high schoolers, right? It, it, you know, you, you got to modify what, what you're doing so as not to glorify sin or scandalize, but at the same time, this is such an important piece of helping them give them concrete real, real ways that, that we encounter Christ still today. So what are other ways you witness your students? What are other thing, you know, other ways you kind of, besides the testimony, what are some, maybe some, you know, things you do in class to just... Uh, little, just little stories here and there. Um, they love true stories. They, they love them. You know, the power of story, the story sticks in their mind. You know, they, I have students who, former students who come back years later and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember when you told me when, you know, you got hit by a car and broke your leg and, and, and stuff like that. And so, so I try to tell them stories um, from my life, you know, and family stories and, and things like that. Um, so, no, it, it's, it's basically, you know, just being real with them, you know, not, not just, uh, you know, I'm not some guy who lives in this classroom, like in that closet over there, but like, if I just taught them, you know, content all the time, then that's how they, that's kind of how they perceive me. I mean, one of the coolest things is like, when I go to, when I go to mass and I see some of my students, like, you know, at the same mass that I'm at and they see me with my family and they see me holding, you know, my six month old who's drooling on me and, hold, and holding the hand of my three year old and, you know, stuff like that. Like when they, they get to see you as like a real person and, you know, that gets communicated in not only in the way you live, but also in just like, just telling them stories. You know, right. Uh, from my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think uh, kids need to see their teachers in the muck, right. In the daily life. And I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I know in bigger cities, it's probably not as common, but here, here in Wichita, it's like, you cannot go out in, in West Wichita without running into, into your students. And so you, you, that always keeps you mindful, at least for me, when I was here, I mindful of the way I conduct myself in public, because I'm going to run into one of them. Right. Um, when I was a single guy, I actually, I actually stopped going on dates on the West side of town because then they would all, it was all the kids would just be talking about it the next day because somebody <laughs> saw me at Starbucks with some girl. So uh, yeah. Uh, what would you say in your mind is one of, is, is, is the one uh, is, is the one thing we most need to be aware of when it comes to teaching and sharing the faith with young people. What's, you know, what's, what's something to, to always be mindful of when we're, when we're sharing the truth with, with young people. I think, you know, when I, obviously being faithful to the content, right. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know, I'm sure you cover this in, in all your other, you know, webinars and stuff, but like, faithfulness to the content of, you know, what we hand on, on to the deposit of faith and actually hand on to them what the church actually teaches using scripture, using the catechism of the Catholic church, you know, primarily. Um, but what I'm, what I'm finding kind of like related to this topic is like, yeah, they, they want to know the objective answers to things. They want you, especially the, the teenagers, want you to respond to their doubts with like objective answers. But they also want that subjective, like, this is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So I think we need to, I think we need to do both. I think it's really important to not just do one or the other, not just share my own personal life, uh, you know, relationship with Jesus with them and not cover the other things. I think, you know, it's one of those Catholic, you know, both and things, you know, there's, there's conversion mm-hmm. stories that I have my students listen to. And there's a number of them where, you know, people say that they, they were Christian and they end up becoming atheists. And the reason why is because they went to, you know, uh, uh, an authority figure in the faith, like a pastor, youth pastor, youth minister, religion teacher, whatever. Uh, and they couldn't answer the question. So you just said, yeah, like, I believe that Jesus is God in my heart. So they gave the subjective, but they didn't give the objective, right? So I'm, I just think, you know, just in my years of experience, now I'm reflecting on, like, the need to do both. Like, I can't yeah. just sit up here and answer their questions and not be a witness. And I can't just witness to them to my lived relationship with Jesus Christ and not hand on, you know, the deposit yeah. in its fullness. Like, I, I need to do both, which is, it's tough and it's, it's hard, it's tiring. Uh, but I think that that's when they respond the best when they get both. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I think, and I, I'm going to touch on this here in a second, but, but I think almost if you can, if you can interweave the two, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really, that's really the, the beautiful thing. So I just kind of, uh, hopefully you caught this. Uh, this is very much um, a formula uh, and, and how to do this. There's a, this is a, there's a really simple way in how to share um testimonies. Uh, and actually the, the lesson this week has a little worksheet at the end that would, that helps you create, create a, a testimony. Uh, and so first of all, um, the question is, what was your life like before the encounter, before you encountered Jesus? Um, what was your life like before? And so spend, spend some time on that. I would say a third, a third and a third, if you can. Right. Um, so, in class, um, I think I would typically, um, like James did, I would I would try to tell my full story, um, and it was longer even than than, than what I shared today in, in certain aspects. But um, some days, um, in sharing other bits and pieces, um, it's the the three minute testimony, which actually Net Ministries, if you're familiar with them, is really the one who popularized that that formula of. One minute, one minute, one minute, right? Um, so a, a minute on what was your life like before the encounter, or or if you're doing 15 minutes, do five, five, and five. But 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 try and and split it up. So what was your life like before? Um, the one caveat I really want to encourage you here, and I know most of you probably would not do this, but if you're ever working with say a teenager or a middle schooler or, or somebody like a student in in coaching them and teaching them how to give their testimony. What is crucial about this part is that they are careful to not glorify the sin in their past life, right? To not make it sound like what they were doing before was cool and leave like that, that be the lasting impression of the talk, right? Um, and, 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 and so to be careful with that. Uh, the second piece is what happened at the moment of the encounter. What was it that caused the change, right? What was it that caused, what was that pivotal moment that brought about um, that conversion moment. And then how has your life been different since the encounter? What's been different? What's changed, right? Um, and, and with the honesty that, that life is not perfect, this is not a golden, you know, once you, once you like say yes to Jesus, it's not like life becomes easy, right? So, so to share that. Um, 
a caveat here is a person who is still going through that second step is not ready to share their testimony, right? So to not push people into sharing something that they're not all the way through with, right? So um, I would often see, I, and I've seen this before, where um, someone will get up and share that, that you know that something in their life has, has, is causing change, but the change isn't done. And they're still kind of wound, like trying to heal from it. And, you know, they're up there crying as they're, as they're going through their testimony and weeping bitterly while they're trying to do it. Um, I'm not saying we can't get emotional. We don't share a little bit, but like, if, if you're going to get up there and weep bitterly, cause I've seen this, like, and you're about to like lose it, then you're probably not quite ready to share that moment. You're not all the way done with it. So how has your life been different? Another key point that I want to, um, impress upon you when it comes to sharing testimonies is personal testimonies imply more than just initial conversion stories. So for example, what I shared with you tonight was my personal testimony on my conversion moment. I could go deeper. I had another conversion moment in college where I um, met a group of men and joined a household and, and the effect that had on my understanding of what it meant to be a man. That's a whole, that's another story. That's part of my journey, right? I could tell you my testimony about what led me to become a Catholic educator, right? I could tell you my personal testimony about the Eucharist and how um, going to a Eucharistic miracle in Santarem profoundly impact and change the way I view the Eucharist. I could tell you a story about um, about prayer and how a certain moment in grad school changed the way I prayed and changed the way I approached my prayer life and my prayer habits, right? And so I I have like little personal testimonies like that I that are just kind of up my sleeve that I'm ready to share that match the subject. So this is what I talk talked meant when James is it um, when I said to James that we can intertwine these things, right? So maybe I have a personal testimony about moral living and a personal testimony about prayer, a personal testimony about the, the, the sacraments and the Eucharist. Like I could tell you a personal testimony about how God worked in my life from seeing my children baptized and what, what that's done. Right. And seeing my children, my, my oldest receive first communion and what that's done for my faith. Right. So all of like, when we are aware, especially once we have that initial conversion moment. And, and remember I said, um, our whole life is moments of conversion. We become more attuned to how the Lord is working. And so we have all these other personal testimonies we can share. So a personal testimony, um, a personal witness is, is simply, if we want to boil it down, how has the Lord worked in your life? And that's conversion and anything else along the way, right? And so I invite you to kind of think in those terms. A um, couple other things to consider, um, you know, as Catholic school teachers and, and how to be witnesses. The first point I pose to you all is, is your house in order, right? Um, one of the big things that, that we need to just, um, uh, that, that we need to reflect on is my work as a Catholic school teacher should be different than than, than, than public education. And there's nothing wrong. Like I'm not bashing public education. There's a lot of great, I, I know I am friends with good public school teachers, but for a Catholic school teacher, 
we are called to a higher standard, right? And so is our house in order? And I think being in Lent is a great time for us to reflect is, do I have it together as best I can? I'm not saying you got to be perfect, but if there's trash or sin in your sin and trash that is sin in your life that you need to purge yourself of, to work on that, to work on that for the sake of your students, for the sake of being a witness, right? If I'm going to, if my life's going to back up, I need to get myself in order, right? I don't say that to be judgmental. I say that as somebody who, um, who knows that I am sinful too. And I've, I've had to have moments, even when I was teaching and doing in ministry going, whoa, 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 we got to back this train up and I got to get myself in order to continue doing what I'm doing. Right. Um, I, 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 I always sort of joke that the Lord knew how, um, how weak I was, but he also knew my, my, um, my desire to never be a hypocrite. And so he called me to Catholic, you know, to, to Catholic ministry so that um, it would be motivation to not be as sinful as I'm inclined to be. So, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I, you know, especially in my early single days of teaching going, yeah, I'm not going to make that decision. Not because I shouldn't like, well, I knew that I shouldn't, but because if my students find out about this, that's not good. Right. So like is our house in order and, 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 and our students could be, can be great, can and should be great motivation for that. Two, are you on fire with the Holy Spirit? Are you doing this just because it's a job and it's a paycheck? Or are you doing it because you're in love with the Lord and you want to share, you want to share his love with your students, no matter what subject you teach, right? The Lord calls us, and, and Catholic education is a huge, beautiful vocation. And so if you're not on fire with the Holy Spirit and asked to be, the Holy Spirit comes when he's invited. So invite him into your heart, right? Make, make your faith something real and seek him out. Because um, if anything we know, right, and I, I would feel like I'm sure for many of you, this last year has shown like, you know, you got to be soldiers out there and, um, and and just a paycheck and just a job in the midst of, of, of the current situation is, is not enough, right? To keep us going, right? If we want to keep going, we have to be on fire with the Holy Spirit and we have to be willing um, to let the Spirit guide what we're doing. Uh, and then lastly, to be a witness, I want to just... Um, push this. The content is excellent, right? I, I like what James had to say about the content, but I also want to challenge you. Do you, re, do you rely too much on your textbook? Right? That's just a question to ask yourself. Um, I think oftentimes, um, and particularly when it comes to religion and teaching the faith, I think sometimes we can be wedded to that textbook and we just want to read that out loud and just, you know, bore our kids to death with just going through the textbook we have to make that content come alive. And the way we make it come alive is through our witness, through our joy, right? And so um, I encourage you, just like you, many of you probably don't rely on the textbook for other subjects, if there, but there might be a temptation to do so with religion because maybe we're not, um, maybe, maybe we don't feel confident in it, right? I encourage you 
to find to find ways to to plan for religion with the same intentionality that you plan for your other subjects and to not make the textbook a crutch it's there as a tool but not as a crutch and to and, and to animate what you are teaching with your personal witness and with the content that is not just reading it you know from a book right use it as a tool all right we come to the the part of every week where um, where we talk about our pop culture connections, and so um, I've got some I'm going to share this week. I've never shared some, but I'm going to let James um, share first. What's what's a what's a bit a, a book, movie, a bit of bit of our of our of our of our pop culture that that um, we consume, and it can be old or new or whatever that uh, you would that you would uh, recommend. For either teachers for the for their own edification or for them to share with their students. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw out two uh, C.S. Lewis works that I have used uh, to hand on different you know topics, different doctrines of the faith. Okay, so um, so the Great Divorce is is wonderful. That's one of my favorites. Uh, when I taught morality uh, at the high school level. And we got to the section on the passions. So there's two pages in the passion uh, in the catechism on the passions. So the emotions, right? And you know, I teach teenagers, so emotions are are a big deal, right? They're real. They're a driving force in their life. Um, so we have to kind of like, you know, if we read those two paragraphs in the catechism, they, you know, I love the catechism. The catechism is beautiful, but when they read it, it sounds like you know church jargon, right? Um, at least these two two things. So to, so to make it come alive, I, lead, I read a section from The Great Divorce. Um, if your your viewers have, have read it, then they know what I'm talking about. It's uh, the scene with the, the dark, oily uh, ghost who's limping away from the mountains. And he's got a little red lizard up on his shoulder. And the little red lizard is, is whipping him. Uh, and then uh, an angel approaches them and says to the ghost, uh, do you want me to kill that? Do you want me to kill the lizard that's on you, right? Um, and then they have this whole dialogue. Now, Jose and I were talking about it earlier, and I don't want to spoil it. So if you haven't read it, I'm not going to say any more about that. Uh, but you should definitely read The Great Divorce, especially that section, and especially if you re if you teach uh, morality to, to teenagers. It's great. Okay, um, then the other one is another C.S. Lewis book, one of the Chronicles of, of Narnia, The Horse and His Boy. And I teach uh, juniors um, faith and reason. And, and we have a section on the problem of evil and suffering, uh, you know, which is a very difficult topic to address uh, with kids. And a lot, of the, a lot of the students that I have, you know, teenagers suffer, you know, they suffer to varying degrees. And just because they're young doesn't mean they haven't suffered. And some of my students have suffered, you know, greatly. Um, so, like, it's, it's a hard topic to cover uh, with them. But I read a section in The, in, uh, the Horse and His Boy where Aslan, who you know, I'm sure, is the Jesus character in, in the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, and he wounds uh, a girl named Erebus, right? He, he um, yeah, I won't say any more about the details with that, but he wounds her, uh, and then later on, uh, they're having a dialogue, and he explained why he wounded her, and it's super, it's super cool. It's very, you know, vivid, uh, and it gives them a better understanding of, you know, why God might you know, uh, allow, permit pain, suffering in our life. And, 
uh, in a way, even like will it to to bring about healing uh, in our life. So so those two those two books, The Great Divorce and The Horse and His Boy, those would be my recommendations. Great, thank you. So I'm going to give two suggestions here as well. The first one is actually a TV series. So um, more for you, you might find clips as you watch it. Um, and I'm going to give a caveat that the first few seasons, the first like three seasons are probably the best. After that, it kind of goes downhill. There is a couple episodes that give give nod to the LGBTQ stuff. So, so you they, it, they're fleeting. It's like two episodes. So you, you want to avoid that stuff. But Overall, I really like the show. It's called Once Upon a Time. Uh, it came out in the early 2000s. And what I love about that show, particular to what we're talking about today, is that it actually shows conversion really well. It shows real conversion. So for those, if you're not familiar with the show, it's on Disney Plus. It streams on Disney Plus. Uh, it was on Netflix. It might still be there. Not sure. But that that show, uh, what what it what is the story of, 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 of the, of all the fairy tales, right? It's, it's, it's all the, it's kind of all the fairy tale characters retold. They're all cursed and they're um, the evil queen made it, made a curse in there. They're in Maine in some small town in new England. And uh, it's the story of the, their savior. One of the snow white's daughter was sent off and avoided the curse. And, and she's got to come back to save them and break the curse. Uh, but, but, but what I like about the show is the villains that experience conversion experience real conversion, and it's not a justification. So I don't know if you, anybody's familiar with the movie Malice, Maleficent that Disney made. I absolutely hated that movie because it was it made the villain the hero. And all it did was it gave an excuse and said, oh, the villains just misunderstood. All these villain backstories that basically justify and don't call evil. I, I, I'm just not a fan of those stories. This, while it gave a different twist to the characters that we all know and love, was actual real conversion that took place. Um, and, and there's some great episodes. Um, so if you have time, check it out. You might find some gems in there. Uh, the second one I want to recommend that is a little bit off topic, but it's on topic with everything. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have heard, but I'm still in love with the series The Chosen. We discovered it last year during um, during quarantine. Uh, watched it for free on YouTube, um, and now for for Lent we're rewatching it as a family. And it's it's the first season. They're working on a second season. I'm praying it comes out soon. But the first season, um, it's it's the Gospels, right? And 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 it, there's creative license for sure. But in my opinion, it's one of the best things based on Jesus I've ever seen because it, it's not cheesy. It's acted well. Um, my wife describes it as um, like you're watching somebody's Lexio Divina on screen. So it's like, it, it, it's, it's totally, um, there's a lot of um, imagined, but there's also somebody it's clearly written. It's clearly done by somebody who loves the gospels. Um, and, and what I love about these episodes is they're, um, they're, they're, they're pretty family friendly. I would say the very first episode of the season, I would recommend you watch that before you show that to younger kids. Cause there is the, um, there's a little bit of an exorcism and there's uh, of, of Mary Magdalene. It can be a little bit, you gotta, I wouldn't say you can't, but you gotta, you gotta make, make, make a call, but, but you can actually show episodes of that to even younger kids. And it's, it's pretty captivating. We watch it as, as a family and my six and eight year old are glued to the screen. They love it. 
So those are, those are my big, those are my big suggestions for, for, for this week. So next week we'll be back. Uh, next week is Monday though, rather than Tuesday, if you want to join us live. Um, and we'll be joined by Father Thomas Daly from St. Charles of Borromeo uh, Seminary in Philadelphia. And we'll be talking, uh, our topic next week is misconceptions about freedom. Uh, if you uh, want to join us uh, later uh, in the month, at the end of the month, we're doing another more traditional uh, virtual workshop called Dying and Rising with Christ Teaching and Living the Paschal Mystery. Uh, that will be on Tuesday, March 31st um, from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're, uh, we'll be joined by Dr. Michael Barber from the Augustine Institute. Uh, and if you want a 50% off code, um, so $9.99 down to $5, CITC50 is the code uh, to join us. Uh, if you, as a reminder, if you need a PD certificate for, um, this, for this episode or any other episodes, uh, sophiainstituteforteachers.org slash CITC certificates is a reminder. Certificates are distributed the 1st and 15th of the month. So at this point, um, know that... Um, the next distribution will be March 15th. So if you want to get today's lesson or any of the other lessons associated with the different weeks and the different themes, um, CI, Sophia Institute for Teachers.org slash CITC lessons, please visit that. Also, um, please check us out. Uh, give us a review. You can go back and listen to other episodes uh, right on our site through Vimeo. You can check us out on the podcasts. Um, please uh, rate us and give us a review um, on the podcast formats. Um, give us a like, subscribe. Uh, and and hope you continue uh, being part of this. And uh, check out our website, sophiainstituteforteachers.org for uh, many more uh, free resources. Uh, James, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Thank you, everybody else, for, for, for listening in live. And thank you to those who are going to be listening here in the future. So God bless you all. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Hope your Lents continue to be fruitful. And um, we'll be back uh, next week. God bless everybody. Thank you for participating in this week's episode of Christ in the Classroom. In order to request a professional development certificate, please visit sophiainstituteforteachers.org slash CITC certificates. In order to access the free lesson with today's theme, as well as show notes, please visit sophiainstituteforteachers.org slash CITC lessons. Thank you and God bless you.